Welcome back to Whose Crime Is It Anyway? I'm Shell Morgan, and I'll be your host this week for episode 19. And with me, as always, is my partner in true crime, the lovely Lisa Magistrelli. Hey, guys. So I wanted to read a really sweet review that we received from a listener this month. It's called Canadian Murderinos Represent from Hales 709. All right. I'm a huge true crime podcast fan and I go through them fast. I was so excited to find you ladies as I'm a Newfoundlander born and raised. I agree with the lack of Canadian representation in true crime podcasting until you came along. I can't wait for a new episode. Love all the way from the most eastern part in North America. So sweet. That's awesome. I know. Our very first case we did was from Newfoundland. I know. So we will be sure to bring more East Coast stories to you soon. Thank you, Hales709, for Thanks. listening. Yay. All right, Lise. This week is actually my birthday week. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so as I enter my last year of my 20s, of course I wanted to cover a head-scratching mystery for my case this week. You know I love trying to figure out the how and the why of a mysterious death, and I feel like this story is up there with the theories of the Elisa Lam case and even Cindy James. Okay. I honestly can't wait to get your take on what you think happened. Seemingly out of the blue, one man becomes increasingly paranoid that someone is targeting him, chasing him, about to kill him but he never tells anyone who it could be. Running on adrenaline and very little sleep, he embarks on a confusing journey that no one in his life can figure out. He changes up his routines, quits his job, drains his bank account, travels across the country trying to throw everyone off his trail. And then he comes face to face with danger and no one can explain why. This is the mysterious murder of Blair Adams. Take it away, girl. Robert Dennis Blair Adams, who just goes by Blair, was a 31-year-old construction foreman who lived in Surrey, British Columbia. And that, my friends, is my hometown oh, where shit. I grew up. That's your backyard. Oh, yeah. So Blair had struggled a bit with drugs and alcohol in his 20s, but he had turned his life around. He was sober for two years, had a lot of friends, enjoyed his job, and was generally well-liked by everyone. He also was a bit of a ladies' man. Oh, but something happened in July of 1996. Something about Blair just changed. He wasn't himself, according to the people around him. He started having intense mood swings and seemed super stressed out, paranoid, and anxious. He was sleep deprived, worried, and was acting increasingly erratic. So during a visit to his mom, Sandra, Blair says to her, quote, I don't think I should tell you about it. And what? his, I know. And his mom says, to this day, she doesn't know what it ever was. Oh, God. So what caused Blair to do a complete 180? Was it drugs? Was it mental illness? 
And the question is, like, why did it come on so suddenly? Mm-hmm. Well, there is something else. Blair was convinced that someone was spreading rumors about him and that someone was after him, that someone was out to kill him. And it turns out he might have been right. So as we dive into this case, just know that there are way more questions than answers. So buckle up because this next journey that Blair Adams goes on is a dangerous ride with so many questionable choices. It all starts on Friday, July 5th, 1996. Blair goes to the bank and he withdraws every penny in his savings account, $6,000 in cash. Then he empties his safety deposit box, which was full of jewelry, gold, and platinum. What? You're 32, right? How did you get all of that? Exactly. I'm thinking, I don't have, like, I'm 29. I don't have any jewelry, platinum, gold, just, like, sitting in a safety deposit box. Yeah, no kidding. Like, I don't even know where this comes from. I don't know who the jewelry is for. Like, I just... Yeah, if I ever had anything like that, they would be passed down from family. Right. like, from my grandma or something. Right. But usually it's it's normally passed down to, like, a granddaughter or the daughter. Mm -hmm. It's weird that he would have that. Right? So it's weird. I don't know. I just thought it was strange that some 31-year-old construction dude would have all this jewelry and gold in a safety He didn't work in the jewelry business? No, not at all. Hmm. And, you know, there is not a lot of background information on Blair in this case. Like, all the research I did, I don't know a lot about his upbringing or anything like that. The research really starts when this whole journey started. Okay. We don't know exactly who the jewelry was for or how he got it but we know that he empties it from his safety deposit box on that Friday. Okay. So Blair packed his loot into a green duffel bag and a black fanny pack. And a very... I know. I love fanny packs. Love a good fanny pack. And a very strange plan starts to form. It seems that he waits a couple of days, though, to really put it into action. So two days later, on Sunday, July 7th, Blair makes his first attempt to get across the Canada-US border. Driving his Chevrolet Chevette, he goes to Victoria, which is a good three, three and a half hours or so of travel time. You had to take a ferry there Mm -hmm. to get to Victoria. And he tries to board a ferry, the other ferry, into Port Angeles in the States to cross the border. I've taken that ferry. Yeah, and go to Seattle. Like that's, you know, it's a normal thing to do, but he lives in Surrey. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't he have just driven? Yeah, exactly. I have no idea. Through the border. Yeah. Like the border is... The border is like right next to where he is. Right there. Yeah, Peace Arch is right there. Either way, Blair tries this way of getting across the border. But Blair was a red flag immediately for U.S. immigration. He was carrying all of that cash. He was young, single, and he was seen as maybe being a possible drug trafficker by the border officers. How much money are you allowed to bring across the border? Wasn't it $10,000? I'm pretty sure it's 10000 But I think if you've got $6,000 in cash plus a bunch of gold right. and platinum right. and jewelry and everything. It like, looks weird. It looks a little weird. Yeah. And he actually lied to the border officer about not having any prior criminal convictions. Oh. Which wasn't true. So he was convicted on drug and assault charges in the past. I don't exactly know any more details on that, right. but he did lie about it. Yeah. They're going to know that. They're going to find that out right away. Yeah. 
Blair was denied entry into the States, and he heads back to Surrey. But the weird thing is, like we said, Surrey is literally next to the city of Blaine in Washington. Mm -hmm. So it's right on the border, and yes, Surrey is a big suburb, but you're only about a 30 to maybe 40 minute drive if you're in like the northern part of Surrey. Mm-hmm. And he actually lived in South Surrey. So oh, he was right by the he's border. He's literally right there. Like 10 minutes, give or take. Yeah, like, like why are you going to drive to the ferry, take the ferry to Victoria, and then take the ferry from Victoria to Port Angeles? Yeah. That's really weird. Didn't he have a car? He had a car. He had yeah. a car. So yep. it's not like he was walking on as a passenger nope. at the ferry. Yeah, that's weird. But remember, he is thinking that someone's after him. So could he be just be trying to throw these people maybe. off his scent a little bit right. and like switch up his routine? Oh, maybe they think I'll take the Peace Arch Crossing. Right. But I'm going to do this one instead. Mm-hmm. Was he taking a more unpredictable route? Because that is definitely not a normal this is not your average route that you would take if you just no, want to cross the border. Not at all. If you wanted to go into Seattle, you could actually drive to Seattle in the amount it takes just to get to the ferry. Right. You'd to get Victoria. there way faster by car yeah. than taking the ferry. So like yeah. you're already in Seattle by the time you like get to the port to get into the States. Yeah, it's weird. It's just a really weird route that he, he must would be take. trying to throw someone off. But we don't know. The next day, this is now Monday, July eighth. Blair decides to up and quit his job in construction. And he says that he, quote, didn't know if he could carry on here. So he asks for his last paycheck, but he doesn't actually show up to pick it up. And as a construction foreman, like he actually made decent Decent money. money. So to not pick up that paycheck would mean not getting a pretty big sum of money if he's going on this journey that he wants to go on like going into the states well how much how many days had passed since he had quit and then had to go back to pick up the paycheck i was assuming that it would be the same day like they can easily do that the same day yeah easily and then they have to do the record of employment blah 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 mm-hmm. yeah they can do that that same day and i think it was surprising to people that he quit even though he was exhibiting signs of paranoia and a bit Mm -hmm. of like uneasiness and anxiety and he had like had a few mistakes happen at work where Mm -hmm. he left you know some of the like a door unlocked or something with like tools and stuff that needed to be locked up he mistakenly left it open Mm -hmm. there was a few things that he did wrong so I'm not sure if people were surprised that maybe he would take a leave to maybe recoup and get back to himself. But to like up and quit, I think was quite surprising. They weren't expecting that. Yeah. I just find it weird that you wouldn't want to pick up your paycheck after you've just cashed out your entire bank account. Right? And your deposit box. Right. You obviously want to have cash on you. Yeah. So why wouldn't you want that last paycheck? It's so strange. Okay. So now what? So... He then decides to buy a round-trip ticket to Frankfurt, Germany for $1,600. Without picking up this paycheck, by the way. Don't you want your money? Yeah, so he just drops $1,600 on a flight ticket. Apparently, he was going to go visit an old girlfriend of his that lived in Germany, but she later says that she had no idea that he had any plans at all to do that. They hadn't been communicating. No, hadn't been communicating. She didn't even know that he purchased that plane ticket. Okay. 
I guess as I was like doing a little bit more digging, Blair had spent time in Germany working for his stepdad's company. And also he had this girlfriend there, so he has a connection to the city. But the story gets weirder. So Blair, at this point, even with his ticket to Frankfurt, is still set on getting across the border to the States. So he shows up at his friend's house, and he asks her for a favor to drive him across the border to Seattle. <laughs> Essentially, like, smuggle him over. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's a pretty big ask for any friend. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. And also, it's late at night. It's completely unexpected and unannounced and his friend has kids oh my god so basically she like can't leave them she tells blair no i'm sorry i can't like i've got my kids with me i don't have anyone to babysit like Mm -hmm. i i just i can't do this but blair is really persistent he tries to get her to like tries to convince her to say yes Mm -hmm. and tells her that he believes that someone is following him and trying to kill him. Okay. But she can't. She can't leave her kids and so she says no. So later that same Monday, Blair requests a refund for his flight ticket to Frankfurt and he gets his money back. So like he's making all of these really strange choices. Like he's buying a ticket. He's going to see a friend to get him over the border. He's trying to get over the border on his own. Like, and we still have no idea where his destination is. Right. And I, but I feel like that flight to Frankfurt was another way to throw people off. Right. Like he clearly had no intentions of going. He just needed that to be a possibility. So people would think that that's where he went, but really he was trying to get through the border. So I feel like there's a pattern of him trying to take these weird routes Mm -hmm. so that maybe unexplained, maybe like out of the ordinary to throw people off of where he's actually trying to go. Did he ever explain why he thinks somebody is after him? No. And I tried so hard to find this. He never told anyone. Ugh. The only thing I could find is that he thought people at work might have been spreading some rumors, but that really didn't explain why they would be out to kill him. Yeah. Like, there's no, he's not part of like organized crime or anything like that. So I just have no idea. I have no idea. Hmm. Like I said, Blair gets a refund for this flight ticket to Frankfurt and he basically makes the excuse that the person he was going to be visiting was sick and so he no longer could go. Oh, okay. So he got the refund. So now it's dawn, the next morning on Tuesday, July 9th. Blair is seen wandering around the border. This time, he's at the Pacific Highway border crossing, which we just called the truck crossing Mm -hmm. in Surrey, and he's on foot. So the truck crossing is much more sensible for Blair to try and cross at since it's literally at the Surrey-Blaine border. Yeah. But authorities at the border were again suspicious of Blair. They were alerted to a stolen blue car from Vancouver, and Blair matched the description of the person who stole it. So the stolen... I know. The stolen vehicle was actually parked really close to the border, and they just suspected Blair. I guess he turned up, he had some like scratches on his hands and stuff, and he was acting a little bit out there, a little bit dazed, a little bit Mm -hmm. confused, and... Police had no evidence to really tie Blair to the crime, but they didn't like him. They were like, nope, you're not coming in the border. So they released him back into Canada. So again, for the second time, he's denied crossing the border. Oh my God. 
He's fucking hellbent, man. I know. Like, he really wants to get into the States. Yeah. He really does. And But why the States? Why don't you just fly somewhere else? Do I just fly somewhere then? Yeah, like, is he trying to get to Mexico? Like, I can't figure out where this guy wants to go. I I don't know. Why are you so hellbent on the States? Yeah. Like, if he could have gotten a flight to go to Frankfurt, I'm sure they would have let him on the flight, right? Why not just book a flight ticket to somewhere you don't have connections to? Exactly, where people wouldn't find you. Yeah. And side note, friends did say afterwards that they saw Blair driving a blue car that day, not his usual Chevy Chevette. So, I mean, were the border crossing guards right? Did he actually steal that car after all? Mm -hmm. We don't really have evidence that he did, but it is interesting that that's what his friends did say. Right. What are the odds? But Blair is not giving up about getting across this border. Oh, my God. So he abandons his Chevette, which is his normal car, at YVR. He rents a car, a Nissan Altima, and he travels again to Victoria from Surrey to make his third attempt to get across the border. He wants to get away from fucking Surrey. <laughs> I mean, same, buddy, same. <laughs> Sorry, parents, I love Surrey. <laughs> so this time, Blair is successful. No way. He makes it onto the ferry to Port Angeles and he drives into Seattle. So he gets his wish. He is now at the SeaTac airport. This is still on Tuesday. So he tried to get across on foot at the truck crossing. Yeah. Dawn on Tuesday. Okay. Then when he gets denied, he hops in his car and drives to Victoria. That same day. That same day and gets through. He gets onto the ferry to Port Angeles. So this is all in the same fucking day. Yeah. So this guy is hustling at this point to get across the border. He reaches SeaTac airport and... At the airport, he makes another strange purchase. He buys a one-way ticket to Washington, D.C. for around $770. But if he had bought a round-trip ticket to Washington, D.C., it would have only cost him $350. So why did he just blow a bunch more money on a fucking flight ticket? Like, it doesn't matter if you're not going to come on the right return trip. You don't even have to get on the plane. You don't need to get on the plane. You just saved $400. Yeah. Like, where is this guy's head at? He didn't take his last paycheck, and now he's blowing 400 bucks. Yeah. I don't get that. And a one-way ticket. If it was a round trip, it would throw people off even more that he was coming back. So true. Right? So it's like, oh, round trip, when's he going to be back? Like, yeah, exactly. It would maybe cause a little bit more suspicion right. on what but his plans were. But if people see that he's got a one-way ticket, they're like, oh, this guy is like running and he's not coming back. Why wouldn't you want to throw them off even more by doing a round trip? It's a great question. And you're saving money. That's so weird. Okay, so Blair ditches that Nissan Altima rental car that he rented at SeaTac Airport. And on Wednesday, July 10th, Blair arrives in D.C. after taking the red eye. He immediately rents a new car, a white Toyota Camry, at 6.45 in the morning and decides to drive seven hours to Knoxville, Tennessee, which is 750 kilometers southwest of so, D.C. What the f- so he's basically backtracking. He, why are you doing that? He just, oh, he's trying to throw people yeah. off, but it's not 
it just doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. And he's doing this like immediately. So he's trying to get over the border, took the red eye to DC all within like a day. Which is like East Coast. Yeah, East Coast. Then he's on the flight for what, like five hours? He gets <laughs> off the plane and then he gets in a car and drives seven hours in a rental car. Like a west. Just a mat- west. Like Why southwest. Yeah, like he could have taken a flight to like, Tennessee. What is going on? Yeah, he's trying to throw people off. It just like makes my head hurt. He's backtracking. He's driving southwest. And this is where things get really fucking weird. Uh, not that they weren't already weird yeah. already, but they just get even weirder. So at 5.30 p.m. on the same Wednesday, same day that he gets into D.C. and starts driving, he stops at a gas station in Knoxville. So I'm going to say right now that Knoxville, Tennessee was not his final destination. Like he was just driving through and it's been seven hours. So like you're going to have to fill up for gas at some point. Right. An interstate repair service driver named Gerald responded to a call from the gas station attendant that someone was having trouble with their car. So Blair is having car troubles. Great. So Gerald heads over to Blair to help him out. But Blair is flustered. So he tells Gerald that the key to his rental car, this Toyota Camry that he's driving, Mm -hmm. isn't working to start his car. Okay. So Gerald takes a look and he realizes that Blair is trying to start his Camry with the key that belonged to a Nissan. The key from his old rental car. Oh my god. So Gerald asks Blair to look for the right key to the Camry. Well, yeah, because there's got to be one around here. Yeah, like Buddy Guy drove the car up. How did you get here? Yeah, like you obviously had the key in the ignition. Where's your fucking key? Where is it? So he says, like, empty your pockets, man. Like, look in your pockets. Yeah. And Blair was certain that the Nissan key was the right key. Are you fucking kidding? He's trying to argue with him? He's like saying, no, this is the right key. It's just not working. And apparently he refused to empty his pockets in front of Gerald. He helped Blair look for the key around the car, like on the ground. Yeah. There is no luck. Like the key didn't exist on the ground at all. So according to Knox News, Gerald said, quote, the guy was not all there. He didn't appear to be messed up, didn't appear to be on drugs, but his mind wasn't functioning correctly for some reason. He was either like super distracted or couldn't, he just couldn't think clearly. Like I think he's kind of out of it at this point. Yeah. And like, did he stop for food along the way? Like I'm wondering, like, does he have his basic necessities met? Is he sleep deprived? Yeah. Like how much did he sleep on that red eye flight? I never sleep on red eyes. Mm -mm. So it's like, did he sleep? He's already having trouble sleeping anyways. He's already stressed out. Now he's scared. Yeah. He's stressed out. He's scared. He's driving seven hours. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just wondering, you know, if he's already in a mental state in Surrey before he leaves. Right. Now all of this traveling and all of this running away from whatever it is could be like exacerbating whatever he's yeah, already feeling. on top of it all. Yeah. So Blair called the rental company. But at this time in the early evening, it was around 5, 5.30 or something, they weren't able to get him a new key until the morning. Okay. So Gerald ended up calling a tow truck and they towed Blair's Camry to an auto shop and Gerald actually dropped Blair off at a nearby hotel. 
Oh, the Fairfield nice Inn. Yeah, it is very nice of him. So apparently, Blair even left his duffel bag behind in the vehicle. And remember what's what? in that fucking duffel bag? He's got like his prized possessions in there. And all the cash? Yeah. So he just what? leaves it in Gerald's car and he had to get out and give it back to Blair. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. He's so distracted like, or just like completely vacant. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on. It's weird. He's either, yeah, exhausted or he's having some sort of like mental break or something. So at this point, it's just after 6 p.m. and Blair goes into the hotel lobby, but he leaves, he comes back in, he paces, he leaves, he comes back in five times for 45 minutes. Wait, before he goes to the front desk? Before he decides to go to the front desk and check in. I would have fucking ran if I was at that front desk. I, oh oh my God. What is this person doing? Can I help you? Like, excuse me, sir. 40 minutes? 40 minutes. Like crazy. So I actually have security footage of this. Oh no. From 1996. We don't have any audio. So I'm going to just show you what the security footage looks like. Just a clip of it. Okay. So you can just see kind of the like state that he was in. And also his mannerisms and the way that he was moving and exactly. Okay. And also the woman at the front desk, she remembers Blair. Because oh, yeah. she was kind of freaked out by him. Yeah. And was quoted saying that it seemed like he was like agitated and looking over his shoulder and waiting for someone. Like he didn't want to check in until that person got there, kind of a thing. Or to make sure that that person didn't get there. Right. Like that someone wasn't going to turn up. Like he doesn't want to go to his room by himself until he knows for sure that no one's following him. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Let me see this. So he walks up to the counter like several times and it looks like he's talking to her. Like he's leaning on the counter, just kind of like loafed out on the counter, like casually talking to her. But then he starts pacing around, comes in and out, comes back up to the counter and keeps talking to her. So what's he saying to her? I don't know. And what's he doing? Making conversation with her, like killing time. Like it's weird. There's other people coming into right. the hotel. Right, she's dealing at this point. with other customers. You can see. Yeah, like, yeah. she's dealing and going. with other people. He's got his fucking duffel bag on his shoulder the entire time. Yeah, walking in and out. And like, where does he? What does he do when he's outside? And he's got his key on him the whole time for the hotel room. Like she's given him the key. No, and so he doesn't check in until the very end of that so he talks to her all those times without checking in doesn't check in and then finally at the very end checks in yes he pays for a room at 6 50 p.m with a hundred dollar bill which isn't weird but he tells the clerk at the front desk that she can keep the change because the room was only fifty dollars what and he only paid for one night why is he wasting his money just throwing his money away like literally actually yeah like he doesn't care and he pockets the key and then he leaves and he never returns he doesn't go into his room no doesn't go into his room doesn't drop his bags shower nothing like what do you do when you go to a hotel for after the first you've time? been driving for seven hours on into a, a red, red eye, eye flight yeah yeah the first thing you want to do is just crash on a nice fluffy mm-hmm. bed and have a shower yeah at least shower like even if the bed's shitty you still want to shower and just like feel 
normal. Yeah, and just rest a little bit. Like he doesn't want to stay in Knoxville. I can understand maybe why he's so agitated that he can't find the key to his rental car Mm -hmm. because he doesn't want to stay there. Mm -hmm. He's not planning to stay in Knoxville. No. This is his gas station stop. He was clearly continuing on. Yeah, he doesn't go into the room. He just leaves. And this security footage is the last time that Blair is seen alive. So, on the morning of July 11th at 7.30 a.m., a body is discovered in a parking lot of a construction site in Knoxville, Tennessee. What? It is the body of Blair Adams. What the fuck? So Blair's body is found naked from the waist down with his shirt ripped open. What? His shoes off and his socks removed and turned inside out. What? His pants were also removed as if someone had pulled them down for him. They were also inside out. So like, I don't understand exactly how the police knew this, but in their investigation, they say for certain they believe that his pants were taken off by another person. How can you tell that? If they were baggy, I'm assuming if he was wearing like a baggy jeans or something like that, except for the time, think 1996, you're not wearing fucking skinny jeans at this point. So if he's wearing like a boot cut baggier jean, if you took them off yourself, you might just push them down. Right. Whereas I'm pretty sure they looked like they were inside out. Like peeled off. Peeled off of him. Okay. That's what the police believe at, at least. Okay. And one of his shoes was propped under Blair's head, almost like a pillow. What? Was Blair traveling with a suitcase, like with a change of clothes? All we know is that he had this duffel bag full of cash and jewelry. Did he even have any toiletries or clothes with him? Did he have a toothbrush? Yeah. Did he have anything to travel with on him? But the ripped open shirt is weird. Yep. Ripped open shirt shoe under his head pants off like he was naked i'm assuming his underwear were off then if he was naked it's not a good scene it gets weirder scattered around the body was four thousand dollars in canadian german and u.s currency what yep okay so (laughs) so the money was out of the duffel bag okay but it's also not a burglary because they would have taken all this money right so the motive was not it wasn't money Mm mm-hmm Yep, and his duffel bag was found near him, and inside of that were some travel receipts and maps. So they didn't say that he had a change of clothes or anything. Right. Which is weird. And remember that fanny pack? Mm -hmm. So that fanny pack was found near him, unzipped, open, Mm -hmm. still full of gold bars, gold and platinum coins, jewelry, and a pair of sunglasses. Okay, so... If somebody was after him from Canada, Mm -hmm. they clearly were after him and not his money and his gold. Clearly. If they found him and that's what happened. And it wouldn't have been a mugging just by chance. Right. Because they would have taken all that shit. Right. Like, why leave it laying around him? Police found Blair's driver's license, passport, and credit card a hundred yards away from his body. Okay. So it's like, you know, it's a pretty good distance away. It wasn't right next to him. Right. But still close enough. But this is the weird part. 10 feet from his body was a key. The key to his Toyota Camry. The same one he insisted that he could not find the day before for his rental car. Oh. Was 10 feet in the open beside him. What 
Like, what in the actual fuck? What is going on? Like, in my mind, even if that key was in his pocket the entire time, like, why the why fuck is, is it, it now all, on the now ground? on the ground? Like, it just makes me, my head hurt. I just don't understand anything. That doesn't make any sense. What was the cause of death? So according to detectives, Blair was beaten. The fatal blow was blunt force trauma to his stomach. With Blair going into sepsis and dying of septic shock. Oh my god. Which is an interesting thing, and I'll come back to it later when we talk about theories. So he also had scratches and cuts all over his body, with some being defensive wounds that they believe, because his hands were all bloodied and looked like they had some like kind of road rash or something like that on them. A crowbar or a club was possibly used to cause a slice in his forehead. Tufts of his hair were missing from his head, and it was determined that there were signs of sexual assault, but no DNA evidence was left behind from it. Mm. So we can maybe think that the sexual assault was with an object. An object. Yeah. Yeah. The toxicology report stated that Blair had no drugs, no alcohol in his system. Okay. So he did not relapse. Right. Because remember, he's been sober for two years. Right. He did not relapse and have a bunch of alcohol in his system at this point. Mm -hmm. He had also eaten before his death with his stomach contents being lettuce, meat, and shrimp. I just want to point out that Blair had no vehicle at this point. Because it got towed. Right. And so when he left the hotel, where did he go? He obviously went to eat somewhere. Yes. Where did he go to eat? I would like to know if there was anyone who saw him at a restaurant. Right. And he was found, like this construction site, this parking lot in the construction site where his body was found is not that far from his hotel. Okay. It's very close. So I can only imagine that he probably ate within a couple of miles. Right. He walked. My question is, where did he go? Where would you have lettuce meat and shrimp i don't know like a fucking denny's or something but i don't know what the police what their investigation was into where he went right like were there places around the hotel though like restaurants that they went to to check i have no idea this (laughs) is a blank spot for me in the research as for evidence there was very little a long strand of hair was recovered that wasn't Blair's, and apparently it was in his fist. Oh. And this is the only piece of physical evidence collected at the scene. Shit. Nothing else. There's no weapon left behind, no skin cells under his fingernails, no blood from another person. Like Just one strand of hair. One strand of hair. And the weird thing is, like we said earlier, all of Blair's money and belongings were left at the scene. So robbery as a motive, I think we can rule out pretty quickly. But where were the tufts of Blair's hair that were pulled out? Like they said that there were chunks of his hair pulled out of his head, but that was not at the scene scene collected as evidence. The hair wasn't on the ground? No. Like that was never filed as evidence. What the hell? His hair was taken, but $4,000 was just left behind. Yeah. (laughs) Well, maybe he was attacked somewhere and he was beaten up in another location and they dumped his body at the construction site. So maybe, yeah, that wasn't the scene, the actual scene of the crime. Right. 
That's a good and they call. just like chucked his bag like out the out, window yeah, like or out whatever next to his body yeah. and like here's all this fucking shit and just left it it's so strange mm. like it's just so weird and this is all the information the facts that we have about this case we just like have no idea what the hell happened was, There's no witnesses. No. We'll get to some theories and there are some things that people heard, but there's not any credible eyewitness accounts of anything that happened that night. Okay, so I'm assuming that they got a DNA profile on that strand of hair. It hasn't matched anything in the database. Okay, but did they check the Canadian database? That's a good call. He I was don't know. running from Canada. Mm-hmm. He was. Did they check that one? I hope that they did. I would hope so. Because they definitely knew that he was Canadian. He was coming from there. He was a, he was running from Canada. So somebody there wanted him dead. Unless this was just some... Fr- no. No. It doesn't make sense if it was some freak attack where they would kill him without stealing his shit. Like some random thing. It's so weird. He was for sure being hunted down. This was exactly what I thought when I first heard this case, but I'm gonna walk you through these theories and I wanna hear what you think. Okay. So first, let's do the theory that someone was actually following Blair Mm -hmm. and they followed him from Surrey all the way to Knoxville, Tennessee Mm -hmm. to kill him, which like in and of itself is bananas to me. Right. How could they be tracking him? how? It's really hard for me to believe because we know that Blair made a series of unusual choices and tracking someone cross country only to kill them in this small town in Tennessee is really strange. Why didn't they just get to Blair while he was in Surrey? Mm -hmm. He emptied his bank account and there were two days that he waited before he tried to get across the border. Mm -hmm. So if he really was like being followed why didn't he go to the police about it? For sure. Why didn't he tell anyone about it? Why didn't he say, this is who I think is following me? He didn't tell anyone in his Unless life. Unless it was drug related and he couldn't go to the cops. I mean, there is definitely like some drug and gang activity in mm-hmm. in Surrey. Why wouldn't they get him while he was in Surrey? Right. Like it seems If they could easily like, find him yeah. in Tennessee, like why couldn't they have just gotten him in Surrey? Right. Right. What are the odds that they were able to track him that far in 1996 mm-hmm. with the technology that there was available at the time? Like, how could they possibly? Exactly. Die? Yes. Okay. And if we are going to entertain the idea, the theory that this person did track him from Surrey all the way to Knoxville, Tennessee, and try to kill him, aren't there way faster and more efficient ways of killing someone than a blow to the stomach? Mm-hmm. Like, blunt force trauma to the stomach isn't a guaranteed death no. at all. Where's the gun with an execution to the head or, like, a strangulation or a knife or something? Yeah. Why blunt force trauma to the stomach mm-hmm. if you're being targeted by a gang or right. organized crime or something? Right. It's usually just a, a shock to the It's head something, something that they know will work. Yes. Like, they don't leave things up to chance. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. This cause of death is a big fucking mystery to me. If it wasn't someone following him and killing him, the other theories are based around a chance encounter with someone dangerous, which led to Blair's death. 
Blair's estimated time of death was put around 3.30 a.m. that same morning that they found him. Right. So that means that from the time that he left the hotel to the time of his death at 3.30 in the morning, there's about eight hours unaccounted for. Hmm. So what was he doing for this time? And, you know, we know he went somewhere to eat. We don't know where. But how does he end up at this parking lot of a construction site? And you brought up, like, maybe that wasn't actually where he was killed. Like, maybe that happened somewhere else and the body was dumped there. Mm -hmm. While canvassing the area and talking to people who might have seen something, police did find a security guard at a nearby business who remembered hearing a scream around 3.30 that morning, which is the same time of death that the coroner gave. Mm. But... The security guard said that it sounded like a woman's scream, not a man. Oh. Honestly, like, I feel like if someone is scared for their life, like, and screams, mm-hmm. it could be high-pitched you enough. D- yeah, you don't know. I'm thinking that it probably was Blair. Yeah. But then that would mean that he was at that parking lot. Right. At the and time that's where it happened. Mm-hmm. Which would make no sense why his hair was not there. Right. Unless. So weird. Okay, unless he was beat up. They ripped his hair out, and then they took him to this construction site, and then that's where they killed him. Like he wasn't dead when he was in the car when right, they were moving. Maybe him. there were still just two locations the whole time. Like he was attacked somewhere else, and that's where he got roughed up, and that's where his hair got pulled out, mm-hmm. and then they like chucked him in a car or something and brought him to this construction site, and then that's where they finished everything and threw everything out. Which is why there was very to little to no DNA right. found at the scene, right. like. Maybe the scene of the crime actually happened in like an alleyway or somewhere else. It's a great theory. But this scream that the security guard heard, along with the long strand of hair that was found at the scene that the police have, Mm -hmm. it created a theory that Blair met up with a sex worker, someone to spend the night with, Mm -hmm. and things took a wrong turn. Okay. Which could be why his clothes were off and why police right. thought that someone else took right. his pants off for him. And something maybe happened and they got into an altercation. And maybe this was the woman screaming. Right. And it could have been the woman screaming. And that's why it's a long strand of hair. Right. Because I can imagine that maybe people are thinking odds are it might be a woman. Because, right. But then like freaking men have long hair they too do. these days. But you know and back then too in the 90s. But... Since his belongings were found strewn around him with money everywhere, why would, if it was a sex worker or someone like that, that industry is based around money. Why would they leave all of that? Or if he was attacked in a different location and they dropped the body off in this, you know, construction site, why would they throw the money out with him? Right. Why, why would they throw his duffel bag, unzip his fanny pack, throw with his gold passport and everything with gold bars? Right. It was all there. It was all accounted for. That doesn't make any sense. Like, why did like, they leave that? That's a lot of fucking money to just ignore. Like, you see there's gold? Yeah. You can't trace that back. No. You get gold bars? You can't trace that back. No, you cash that shit in. Exactly. What would cause someone to, to ditch that? To ditch all of that cash. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're in a small ass town, money, four thousand dollars and, and gold, gold, that is worth a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go back to this septic shock, sepsis 
that's how he Mm -hmm. died. I am not a medical professional, so I had to look this up. Sepsis is blood poisoning Mm -hmm. by bacteria. Mm -hmm. So it is our body's most like extreme response to an infection, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I've watched Grey's Anatomy enough to know that like a lot of patients die when they go into sepsis. Yes. Hear me out on this theory, okay? Okay. What if Blair had somehow gotten an infection back in Surrey? So maybe from his job site or something. And that's why he was acting anxious and irritable and weird. Because he had some sort of infection already in his body. And... I know that that's not always like a symptom of sepsis, but it can be. Like I looked it up and like, like delirium, delirium, irritability, anxiety can be a symptom. A symptom of it. Oh my god! So I was thinking, what if he had gotten an infection somehow, a yeah. staph infection or whatever else it is, and left it untreated, and he starts having these symptoms? And maybe some, you know, medical professionals or healthcare professionals can advise me on whether this is true or not. But I always thought that sepsis doesn't happen or septic shock doesn't happen right away. No, it doesn't. Like it could take some time. It takes a few days. But the thing that I don't understand is why he's been beaten up. If that was the case. Like, okay, so he's got septic shock and he's also getting beaten up by somebody by chance. Like, because he's acting so weird, it creates a fight with somebody. Yes, he gets in a fight with someone randomly, Mm -hmm. like an altercation or whatever. And they punch him or they beat him up, not thinking that it's going to kill the guy. Right. And he, like doubles over because he's the infection then it, it then it spreads and mm-hmm. then he goes into shock he's already just struggling so much because he's struggling already oh and then God. he goes into shock and they not thinking they're they're gonna kill a man tonight freak take off the fuck out and they just run for it like maybe they they were trying to assault him maybe like, things were kind of going that way like they were really being bad people but mm-hmm. then they didn't think they were gonna fucking kill him right i haven't heard this theory of the whole sepsis thing put out yet on a podcast or anything that i've read so i'm like interested to know whether that could be something that would cause him to change so suddenly i think it would change the way that you're behaving if that was the case that is the most insane coincidence of events it's crazy like this guy believes that he is being chased that he is being targeted to be killed and he just goes across country trying to escape whatever it is whoever it is and then ends up dead so was it all a coincidence or was Blair right in thinking that he was being followed and targeted and will the DNA found on that strand of hair ever turn up as a match in a database someday? Or is the killer long gone after two decades? 24 years later, with the mysterious death of Blair Adams, we are still left wondering, whose crime is it anyway? Thanks for listening to Whose Crime Is It Anyway? We'll be back next week on Monday since we've changed our days from Fridays, so keep your eyes peeled. And if you want, you can follow us on Twitter at Whose Crime Pod and we're on Instagram at Whose Crime Podcast. Until next time, bye! Toodles!
and gold? You see, Mr. Powers. I love gold. The look of it, the taste of it, the smell of it, the texture. I love gold so much that I even lost my genitalia in an unfortunate smelting accident. Hence the name, Goldmember. 